Input, Output. Hi, this is Input, Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input, Output podcast, we've got stories about crackpot theories and police reform legislation. You know, as much as I love tech, I still marvel at how some of the most advanced, complicated devices ever invented can be defeated by crude, simple instruments. And perhaps nothing demonstrates this idea better than the Faraday cage. Essentially, a metal container that blocks wireless signals. Conspiracy theorists claim Faraday cages will protect your router against 5G. So lots of people are buying the cages on Amazon. In turn, those customers are complaining that the devices are ruining their Wi-Fi signal. Meanwhile, Amazon doesn't seem to care and continues to sell the Faraday cages. Here are InputMag.com editor Ryan Houlihan and editor-in-chief Joshua Topolsky discussing this turn of events. He's talking about all the people on Amazon buying Faraday cages to put around their Wi-Fi routers. I mean, we live in an age of... I mean, they say information wants to be free, and then you, you you get it out there, and it turns out that what really wants to be free is misinformation. Like, like what nobody stipulated, what William Gibson or whoever said it didn't stipulate was what type of information wanted to be free. Yeah, I know it's crazy. We live in a crazy world. There, I saw a tweet. Somebody was like, I'm dying. Like, people are buying these Faraday cages, which is – a Faraday cage is basically a thing that keeps out, like, radio signals – yeah, it's and, a high energy electrical cage. It's like layers of lead. It will block out yeah. uh, wireless signals. Like you like, radio like you waves know, it's used for experiments or used for certain yeah. types of environments where you're doing you know whatever. Like if you have very you know, sensitive wireless work that needs to be done, you can do it within a Faraday cage, and other wireless signals won't be not be interrupting you. But uh, people are buying these like micro Faraday cages that go around a router, and then they're like, because oh, because I think. They the idea is that 5G, 5G and Wi-Fi will, are yeah. causing migraines and cancer, and it's not, but that's what they right. think. So they're buying these things, and then they're putting them around their router to protect from – I guess they think it's going to sieve out 5G, which has nothing they to do with their – They think it will like, like – the Faraday cages, to be fair, on Amazon are claiming like you can still use the internet wirelessly, but like – no, it's a Faraday cage. Like it, it would be like putting a shade over your lamp and then being like, "I can't." It, why isn't it bright? Very confusing. <laughs> but Very what, confusing. What, what, what's crazy to me is that like people want Wi-Fi and they want technology, but they also think that it's a secret plan. Like they have conspiracy theories that like Bill Gates put cancer in the Wi-Fi. And it's crazy because it's the people who are on YouTube putting out anti-science, anti-vaccine videos through their cell phone, um, not realizing that like you're using, you're using all the tools of the people that you're saying caused. Like, it doesn't make any sense. The the thing that I always feel most like strongly and sort of bad about is this idea that you believe that the people are so organized and orderly and have so many plans that like they're doing this thing that's this massive global conspiracy designed to, you know, keep you down or hurt you or whatever, follow you or whatever it is. And it's like this, the actual scare. And this, I think, partially is what drives conspiracy is that the scary thing about life and the scary thing about 99.9% of the situations that you are experiencing or that you're seeing is that nobody has a plan. 
and that nobody has like a grand scheme for how this is going to turn out. Like the Bill Gates, like microchipping you in vaccines or whatever is like, do you have any idea the number of people that it would take who understand the plan to do this? Do you know how many and people also, would have to be involved? When they want to know where you are or what you're doing or what you're eating, they just ask you and you put it into an app. <laughs> like, like to you're, be clear, you give all of this out anyway. The actual conspiracies are more like policy and they're more like things like PRISM, which were happening basically legally and only really were uncovered because one guy decided to whistleblow. And by the way, there weren't that many people who knew about it in the first place. You know, and there also, weren't that many people who had access to it in the first place. To find out that the government could tap into your phone calls or your internet trap. Like nobody was right. was, was somewhere right. gobsmacked being like, how did they pull it off? Like we all knew it would just came out in the open and was officially yeah. like I'm known. Not, I'm not saying there's never a conspiracy, but the way they play out is often very different than what we're, you know, I saw this thing the other day was like uh suitcase gate. It was like, there's video of a person moving a suitcase somewhere in Georgia. Like this is it. People are like, there were all these bots that were like, you know, congratulations on your one month of being president elect Joe Biden, but it's over for you. Now the suitcase gate is real or whatever. And it's like, yeah, like it's not this type of thing, the type of conspiracy that these people are talking about, whether it's election fraud or, or Bill Gates microchipping you in a vaccine or 5G being something like that isn't just, hey, we can make faster internet. The level of complexity and the number of people involved would make it so impossible for it to be kept a secret. This is not the fucking Da Vinci Code. I was going to say, there's no, like on the back of the Mona Lisa, there's no instructions for a Faraday cage <laughs> yeah. to protect you from 5G. Not, we're not living in the Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code's fun and good and sold a lot of copies because it's such a... A ridiculous idea. Because it's, it's a like, fairy tale. It's fantasy. It's fucking fantasy. You know, we we you know. But also, I think people feel really, people feel really disconnected from other people and from you know the the most people dangerous. People are thing also that, completely uneducated. Nobody knows well, how education y- works. Yes. No. So I mean, to me, the core problem that we have in this country and in this world is education. We should be spending trillions. We should be spending billions every year on creating the most airtight, most brilliant, most effective education system in the world. If America wants to uh, continue whatever dominance education that it had, should be the national pastime. That exactly. I mean, and I don't mean like I don't mean just like in the in the way of like learn you know book learning. I mean like educate ways no, to like be go educated. out into the world and get experiences and have programs that give you experiences that you learn things so for example like science class didn't used to, the, the 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 original idea behind science class was not like rote memorization and like slap you on the ass it was like you would be an apprentice to somebody doing science and slowly learn how science works and we stopped doing that because it was just easier to get kids to pass state tests so that you could secure some funding because there wasn't much funding. And now America's right. education system has led to just an anti-intellectual wave during a period of time with enormous technological innovation and also desperate need. And we desperately need the intellectuals to answer our question, our complex involved questions to the best of their ability. And then we need to follow yeah. their advice more than ever at any point in history. And nobody has ever encountered, at least since I would say like the dark ages, a rash of intellectualism that has spread so quickly and so fast. It's, it's yeah. very worrying. Want to hear more from Ryan and Joshua? Then stay tuned for today's second story.
Good morning. The uh, police reform measure passed both the House and the Senate late last night. Now it'll be up to the governor to decide what to do next. It would create an independent civilian-led commission for certification, training, and decertification, ban chokeholds, limit the use of deadly force, and create a duty to intervene when officers witness another using excessive force. But Republicans in the state police union say the bill was hastily introduced. A police reform bill passed in the Massachusetts House and Senate could make Massachusetts the first U.S. state to ban facial recognition by cops. The bill, which still requires the governor's signature to become law, could inspire other states to follow suit. Here are InputMag.com editor Ryan Houlihan and editor-in-chief Joshua Topolsky discussing the news. Massachusetts is now trying to pass a police reform bill called S-2963, uh, which would ban the police from using facial recognition software uh, in the state. And it would be the first state to do so. Um, and we should absolutely do that uh, because facial recognition software, while is one of those technologies that like it's easy to immediately think, oh, look at the benefits. Like we would have security camera footage of every crime ever. But the software itself is super duper racist. Hey, look, I'm sorry. It has to be done for the safety of this country. We must enact very racist facial recognition or we'll never be safe. The whole culture of, of surveillance that we're creating is, is so scary. And so I feel like um, wrongheaded and so dangerous because we have so, there's so uh, so many unknowns about it. You know, we have a bunch of nest stuff here. I got a nest cam to put outside just honestly, because like raccoons keep going in our garbage and I wanted to like see what was going on. And just like, I was kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to be able to like see when like there's a package arriving or whatever. But, you know, and I was looking particularly for things that wouldn't that where I was like, okay, I don't think my data is going to be sucked up into some huge database and then used to like, uh, you know, give the government information though. Google does have services where it's like, you can pay to have them identify specific people and specific areas and specific activities. And it's like, you know, I don't, I actually don't want that. And I feel like most people don't either, but the more that you tell people that it's possible the more it seems normal and the more people are like, oh, maybe I should have that. And the no. more we become the more we become like paranoid and uh, and worried about and fearful of things that that we should not that it, we should be going in the opposite direction on. I mean, the it's whole othering healthy. of people. If this is not healthy to have a house that is is protected constantly by surveillance that instantly recognizes everybody. I mean, just just on a basic fundamental, should this be a product in your life thing? It, it's it's not a healthy psychological impulse to be able to just like tap a button and at any time watch everyone in your home. Like that's I, not I, a normal. No, I agree. I, I agree. And for the record, we we have a one camera outside, and it's basically just but, looking at our driveway. But, but the problem, I think, ultimately is even bigger than that, right? Because it's look at what. Okay, you started using Gmail because you were or Facebook because you were like, this is free and it is a good way to keep in touch with. Well, people. it was better, and 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 when Gmail showed up, email was horrible. You know what's so great is email is Gmail knows what is spam and what isn't spam and has a great filter for it. But right. you know how they built that filter is by looking at what messages people on aggregate decided were spam. Sure. Totally fine. But the problem is then you have, you know, Google you go, is going through the dot com bust or whatever. 
and I mean, this is out of order, but Google is going through the dot com bust and they have all these <laughs> searches, right? And they're like, we don't have any money. You know what would make a bunch of money is if we just turned on the ad button and then targeted the ads based on search data, which is, you know, it seems like a natural extension of the business. Then they've got Gmail. They do the same thing. Then they start using all this data for AI stuff. Now, right. Facebook knows what I'm going to buy. They have been presenting me couches for weeks because I had decided I was going to move. And that was based off one app download that they decided I was likely to move. And if I moved, I'm at a stage in my life where I would be upgrading my furniture. And what's the first thing you would upgrade? Most likely a couch. And they probably know from my Amazon history that the last couch I bought was a piece of shit that I was only going to use for a year. So now it's time for me to buy a couch. And now they know I need a couch. I mean, we saw what happened with, with that set of data. Like that's the goal for them. Right. But with that set of data, we saw what happened with Cambridge Analytica had such a small data set and they were able to influence an entire election. What happens well, when cameras, right. there are databases of cameras that know everywhere you go, how long you're there, what mood you're in when you're doing it, what, who, who upsets you to be on the bus with what, yeah, like right. when they know everything, I mean, Facebook has done studies that they can influence the way you feel by reordering your timeline. They can make you happy or sad and they can, right. they can make you walk away sad. What happens when they have feature recognition data? That's what kids play with other kids and what kids get bullied bullied and who is likely to succeed like i agree we're fucked i agree (laughs) i mean well the other thing that i think is is the insidious truly insidious part of it is that it is the way it normalizes this way of thinking which i think is ultimately a very paranoid way of thinking you know i think if you see the behavior of people with these like like these next door communities that are like i saw a guy you know it's like communities have always been like this. I mean, any, even on a block in like the city, it's not, this is not like, this is a new thing that like people are paranoid about like their little plot of land. You know, they're always like, Hey, we got some, some guy drove through here. Who is that? Or whatever. It's like, that's been every, in my whole life, everywhere I've ever lived, you know, there's like parents are always running to the window going like, who is that? You know, I mean, we've all been there. Like our parents are like looking out the window going like, what's the guy doing over there? But it's like one thing when it's like, it's in your, like you are seeing it and you're going like, I'm curious about this or whatever. It's another thing when you have a network of surveillance and you've got neighbors posting on a on on a on a on a forum sharing video of somebody who was walked by their house or whatever and it's like that way of thinking about society, the way society is arranged it's this fe- it's this fear based thinking about society when actually like violent crime has been going down robberies are going down murders are going down people are actually like we're actually evolving in many ways to to be more peaceful Again, this sort of goes with that conservative slash progress, you know, the conservative versus progressive worldview. But it's like if you, yeah, if you live in fear of the people around you and you other everybody who isn't in your immediate family and you surveil and track as if there is some malicious intent to a person walking through your neighborhood, your your brain is you're changing your own brain chemistry to think about things differently. To me, like the really scary part of this is not what Google knows. It's the way we change as people. It's the way that we change the way we parent, the way we live in communities, the way we care about the people next to us. I think that kind of thinking is what empowers people who are saying, well, I don't want to wear a mask because I know it makes me personally uncomfortable. That sense of like you're in your little, your personal bubble of whatever you need and whatever makes you feel good is the thing that's most important. It takes away responsibility for you to have to think about in a more in a more complex way about the rest of the world and it just others people to a point where they become a data point 
that you're trying to avoid or suss out or like, you know, uh, target in some way. And I think like that to me is, is the scariest part of the surveillance world that we're building is that it changes our fundamental way that we think about our brothers and sisters in, in the human struggle. That That's the part that's fucked up at the most fundamental level. It's like, yes, I'm worried about Google having data. I'm not so worried that Google's going to use it to create some and act some mass conspiracy. I do think they'll use it to sell me stuff. And I don't trust Facebook as much as I trust Google. And so I, but all of them should be regulated much more uh, seriously. We agree on that. I think I'm more worried about what it does to people's brains and what it does to people's now more than ever. I think if anything, if I've learned anything in this pandemic, it's the, the value of other people and how, and how sad and crappy our world is when you don't have them in it. I, if anything, we should be thinking of ways that we can create better communities and stronger communities, not ones where we're trying to other people and push them out. Anyhow, that ends my rant about uh, surveillance culture in America. Late-stage yeah, capitalism. The, the latest stage. You can follow Jay on Twitter at NotesFromJay, and I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.